Today on the Profitable Trady Podcast. I like what they say about, you know, achieving a goal isn't about the goal, it's about the stuff you've got to learn to get there. Yeah. And uh, often you make a lot of mistakes and that's where the, the best learning is. You actually had to tell me one time, you know, sometimes I say yes because you're just intimidating. <laughs> I'm not a control freak, am I? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that didn't go so well. He said, I often have a black cloud over my head when I'm in my business, even though it's successful, I have this sort of black cloud of frustration and stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. Oh, I see it above you often, bro. That's right. <laughs> you sometimes like, walk around with a face like a drop pie, you know? On this week's episode, we're digging into a bunch of mistakes I've made on my personal business journey and how avoiding these mistakes will save you a bunch of stress and hassle, as well as make you a whole lot more profit. You're listening to the Profitable Trady Podcast, where we'll help you turn your business into a money-making machine. We know you're busy, so we'll make it worth your time. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, time is money, and we're here to help you make more of both. So hit the follow button and let's get started. To the podcast. Alrighty team, welcome. Tony Fraser-Jones here, the host of the Profitable Trading Podcast. Well, I'm here with Phil. How are you, Phil? Doing well, mate? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Always good. What are we jamming on today, mate? Well, grill me today. Well, today it's something a bit different, actually. Uh, we're going to talk through some of the mistakes that you have made uh, in business. So it should be a goodie. There's plenty of material to work with here, mate. Yeah, I would say there is. Uh, but, you know, obviously great value in sharing the mistakes that you make because it can help other people not make those same mistakes. And I suppose experience is uh, what you get right after you need it. So I like what they say about, you know, achieving a goal isn't about the goal. It's about the stuff you've got to learn to get there. Yeah. And uh, often you make a lot of mistakes and that's where the, the best learning is. Yeah, um, totally. For sure. So Yeah. I reckon we should get straight into it. What, what was mistake number one, man? I reckon mistake number one that I've made is... Uh, it's not putting myself first and being honest about my own needs as a business owner. Yeah. Uh, and I know that sounds really selfish and, and I think you have to be quite selfish in business. Yeah. Uh, and I think at times, uh, and you've told me this as well and a bunch of people have, is that perhaps I haven't been selfish enough. And, and what I mean by that is in business, you actually can build your own racetrack. Yeah. The, 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 you can design the way you want your business and your life to work. Now, I know... It doesn't often feel like that when you're in business, but you know you, you have the opportunity. It's not like if you are working for someone else or in a business, you, you've got some stuff you've got to do and it's kind of how it is. But you do have the opportunity in business to design your own racetrack. And uh, I think it's important you do that because there's a heck of a lot of stresses in business uh, that you don't have when you are you know, an employee. If you don't perform as a business owner, you really don't eat. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. And... What I've found is I've often you know, climbed the ladder of success, what I thought was success, and I've found that it was leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah. That's our old mate, Stephen Covey. Don't just, don't say it, don't say it. He's dead just now. He is dead just now, but he <laughs> is um, really, I mean, if you want a great book, read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's an incredible book. It takes a bit to get through and maybe get it on Audible. Yeah. Uh, so much gold in there, but when you're a business owner, and I've found this, is you tend to be you know, a person who does stuff, makes stuff happen. Uh, you tend to be maybe a little bit more motivated than some people, maybe a bit more insecure as well, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> but y you have the ability to make things happen, and sometimes you make things happen, and you think that's going to make you happy or give you what you want out of your life. But when you get there, you're like, well, not really. And that's about climbing the ladder of success, but it, it's leaning against the wrong wall. Yeah, uh, for sure. And sometimes I have climbed a ladder that I think was expected of me or what um, you know what other people would expect me to do or what I think they expect me to do. Now, sometimes it's team members. 
I mean, I know you and I have had discussions, some, and I've said to you, bro, like, um, I think I just agreed to that because I didn't want to hurt your feelings or I, yeah. I, I wanted to support you. I mean... Yeah, well, it's like we've talked about a, a bunch of times, right? I mean, I've come in and said, hey, I think we should do this or do that. And um, you actually had to tell me one time, you know, sometimes I say yes because you're just intimidating. <laughs> and I was yep. like, well, you know, I didn't realise it was coming across like that. But I think I think the fact is, is um, it's actually better for both of us if, if you know, if we can just get the truth and actually build the thing we want to build rather than feeling like you got to placate each other or, you know, not piss each other off because it's, that's not going to help anyone, right? Yeah, and, and the thing about, uh, as a business owner, I've found this is um, I do want to do what's good for other people. I want to do what's good for our team and our, our members and our clients. Uh, but that's you've got to be really careful about that because if you do too much of what's good for them and not enough of what you, know, what you really need, then you end up not enjoying what you're doing. Well, I think sometimes there's, in fact, not sometimes, there's often a, you know, a win-win anyway where um, there's a version of, of you know the thing on the table, which actually works for both people, um, but if if you're just doing it to make other people happy and you don't look at what would make you happy or what would actually build the business that you want to have, then you end up with a business which is perfect for everybody else, but it sucks for you. In which case, like, why did you build it? You know? Yeah, the problem with you know not putting your needs first, and actually sometimes it's hard to even know what your needs are, what you want. Mm. Uh, that can be really tricky, and that's something that I've found you know it's taken me a while to figure out for sure. And probably the older you get, the the more you figure that out because you realise what you don't like, yeah, uh, which is which is all good. But, um, yeah, you can have a discussion with your team and, you know, if you're honest about what you want and they're honest about what they want, like you said, there's often a way to put those two things together. And sometimes as your business grows, and we've been lucky, you know, we have a pretty reasonable-sized business now, is often they your team can go and do stuff that they want to do and it works for you as well in the sense that it improves the business, but you don't actually have to do it. Yeah, 100%. Which is, which is you know, we're lucky now that we're in that position. Yeah. Um, and some of you listening may not be there, but you can get there for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, but the thing is, if you don't know what your needs are and put them first, and I, I've struggled with this, is it actually leads to a bunch of things that aren't much fun. Yeah. Uh, it leads to, you know, overwhelm. Uh, it leads to exhaustion. It leads to tiredness, burnout. And uh, I had a chat to a good mate, actually, um, who's another coach. Coaches are different in, in a different niche. And uh, he said, oh, I often have a black cloud over my head when I'm in my business, even though it's successful, have this sort of black cloud of frustration and stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. Oh, I see it above you often, bro. That's right. <laughs> you sometimes like, walk around with a face like a drop pie, you know. <laughs> I think I think you're right, though. It's interesting, you know, you're talking about um, figuring out what you like. Um, but I think something to also mention here is that what you like will change, um, you know, as you get older sure. or as you get more mature or, you know, you could become more familiar with different aspects of your business or, I mean, your business grows a lot, and when it grows, it becomes a very different thing, and you you have um, experiences, and and the business has needs that you haven't experienced before, and so you might think you like them, but when you actually get to the point where you get to exercise those um, requirements, turns out that you don't like doing them at all, um, or maybe you liked them when you were thirty, and now you know you're fifty, and you don't like them anymore because your life's changed and your needs have changed. And I think one of the big things there is often um, it's hard to go back on what you've said previously. So you might have communicated what you like to your team in the past and they're all on board and everything's good and they're doing things in a way that makes your life happy. But then things change and at that point it's really important that you don't feel weird about communicating that change to your team because otherwise they're going to keep plugging away doing things they think are making you happy 
and that's just going to make everybody unhappy actually in the end. So it's yeah. important you communicate that. Yeah, that's really true. So communication is a key part here um, of, of uh, one, I guess, talking with your your family and stuff outside of your business to understand what's important there for you and them. And, and I think family is a big part of it because, um, you know, my kids are a little bit, say, older than your kids. Mm. Uh, and I've got one more of them, so you've got some catching up to do. Uh, <laughs> I've got time on my side. You do? Though, well, so. yeah, yeah, that's true. Thanks, bro. <laughs> uh, but as they grow, your needs change as well. And the thing that is super important, and I guess the, this is what happens if you get a little bit older, is you realise that there's no do-overs in life. No. There's no do-overs with your kids. Uh, there's no do-overs. Well, it's a do-over with your health. You know, if you if you really punish yourself for 15, 20 years growing your business, you can set it up for some sort of success, but then you're like, actually, I'm tired and broken and, and I'm over this. Well, yep. that's not a good result. Uh, and, and so a big thing for, for me that I've started to realise is that you need a real clear, I guess, vision of what you want for your life. But more importantly is what are your personal values? So what's actually important to you as a person? Yeah. Uh, so for me, family is incredibly important. Uh, being available for family is important. Uh, space is important. Like, and, yeah. and not having, um, like I love to be in control. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a control freak, am I? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nephi's grinning as well. That that didn't go so well. Uh, but something I really find difficult is if I if I have full calendar of appointments and mm. stuff, I find that really difficult. I feel suffocated. Yeah. Whereas some people love that. Yeah, for they sure. They love just being able to talk to people all the time. Yeah. Uh, I love talking to people. I flipping love doing this podcast. Like it's a highlight of my week. But I'd like to be able to, after it, we've got some time to just go and chill out and, and, and some downtime. So for me, having space is really important. That's an important value. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the things that we did, you know, Phil and I worked together real closely, is we actually figured out, you know, what I'm good at and what I like to do and what you're good at and what you like to do. And one of the things, we did a test, it's called Wealth Dynamics. You might want to check it out at some stage. It tells you your best entrepreneurial profile. Mm. Is uh, I'm a creator profile. And one of the things that uh, it lists there that take energy away from me is having I've been stuck in meetings all day with my team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and when I read that, I was like, well, what do I do all Monday? It was yeah, just it was all, you all did on meetings with team. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. I flip and love team. Mm. Uh, and actually, I'm pretty good at team. Yeah. Something I'm good at is building culture. And, and I really care about the people. We work with. I love the people we work with, really invested in their future. And that means a lot to me. But actually sitting, having meetings and holding people to KPIs and stuff, mm. it's not my jam. It just takes a lot of energy. Whereas for you... Yeah, I love that. Yeah, like, I do that all day. <laughs> yeah, Phil is amazing at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, it's about understanding, you know, my needs for creativity and stuff. Mm. Looking at my calendar. So you know, if you're thinking, if you're really frustrated with your business, I guess the lesson is look at your calendar and figure out what am I doing that I just don't like doing. Yeah. And what am I doing that I really like doing that gives me some joy and energy. Yeah. Uh, and it may be difficult to change that straight away, but that's uh, that's the whole process of coaching and business development. Yeah. You can actually change it. Yeah. Uh, we've seen it happen hundreds of times. And I think also just being aware that like the things that you don't like doing, that doesn't mean that they're undesirable tasks. It might be undesirable to you and it might be somebody else's bread and butter. Like, man, we did this uh this systems and processes creation week uh, you know, just recently in our business and uh, we had a consultant come in and, and help us build a bunch of business systems and just refine you know a bunch that we already had and do a big regular organization. Super valuable. Uh, it's it's ironic because uh, our head of marketing, Damon, 
Um, he absolutely loved it, hey. It was just right up his alley. Like, that kind of thing is perfect for him. Man, it was like pulling teeth for me. <laughs> I'm having to sit on the same call for an entire week in front of the computer. It was killing me. But um, I think, yeah, it's that whole thing of, like, your trash could be someone else's treasure and vice versa. So yeah. look for a win-win there, which actually is back to our boy Stephen Covey. Well, that's look right. For the win-win. And the best thing about that process is that I didn't have to do any of it, which right. was amazing. Yeah, exactly. Just saying. You think you found it hard? I would have been like jumping out the out the window. But again, I think this comes back to it doesn't. It's not about being good at it either, because actually that's something I'm I'm actually quite good at. Yep. It was that whole process or something. The whole reason I was there the whole week is I'm I'm really good at that. It's just I find that's really a, an energy drain. It's like hey, you're really good at you know, you know dealing with the team members and everything. It's just something which is going to take energy away. It's, it's something which is not going to you know boost that's right your mood through the day. Yep. And so it's not that you don't like doing it. It's just exhausting. Um, so. It's not just about being good or not good. It's like, does this fill you with energy or does it drain you? Yeah, and so that's been a that was a huge, you know, mistake or thing I didn't realize uh, because I spent a lot of my business life actually overwhelmed, anxious, and and exhausted. Yeah, uh, and I know for a lot of people listening, that's the same. Yeah, uh, and it's because of yes, you're probably working too hard. Maybe. Yeah, uh, you're doing 60, 70 hours, which is not ideal. That's that's difficult. But a lot of the stuff you're also doing is probably not really lighting your fire. But you think you have to do it because your team needs you to do it or your clients need you to do it. You've got to be honest about your own needs. It's like you jump on the aeroplane, you know, and they give you the, the safety demonstration, which no one ever listens to. But anyway, fit your own oxygen mask first because if you do that, then you can help the children and the people next to you. But if you don't do that, you all flake out, you cark out. And that's the same in your business. Yeah, and it's the same in everything, Tony, is right down to like you might be, uh, you know, chasing certain jobs because they're really profitable and, you know, they're, you know, quote-unquote good jobs, but you hate the type of work. Um, it's exhausting, you hate it, you hate the type of clientele, and it's just, it really just kills you. So, you know, you're chasing it because you're like, well, money in the bank, but, you know, at what cost? Um lot of ways to skin a cat and you know if you were chasing a bunch of the work you liked you'd probably do it better you'd probably have less rework less callbacks you'd you know achieve a better gp um you find it easier to win the work because you like the clientele you know like this it really goes into everything you have to do the things that you like doing because you'll do a better job and it'll actually move the needle harder um sometimes when you do the things which you know are good but you just hate them uh even though they're supposed to be good, you just don't do them that well, and then they become not good. Plus, you build a business that you hate. You know, yeah. So it's. I mean, we have a couple of coaching programs, and one is, is called Boardroom, which is our high end uh, clients doing three to fifteen, twenty million dollars in revenue, uh, and some of them have large teams, and they're, they're very successful businesses. But there's a very common thread for a lot of these guys. They have the same challenge that I've had: mm. is they they set up success. Uh, they're making great money. You know, some of them are making seven-figure profits, mm. uh, which is great. Uh, but they're like, "Wow, I've actually, you know, I've drained myself in this process, and I've yeah. actually got to figure out how my life looks now." Yeah. Uh, so it'll learn my kids' names. That's right. And and so the, the I guess the lesson is for me, if I went back and did a do-over, is I'd be much more clear about what I need and what's important to me. Yeah. Uh, because that will that'll help the business grow faster anyway, and you'll just have more fun doing it. Yeah. Uh, which is um. Which is cool. Yeah, and it, honestly, the, the last thing to add there is, uh, as you know, as someone who's worked with you a lot, is it actually helps your team help you, um, and it helps them play their position better. Because um, if they know what position you want to play, they can play their position and everybody works better in harmony, whereas if they're unclear because you're unclear, um, it's hard for them to win as well. 
Yeah. So it means nobody wins. So you got to get clear on it. Let's go to mistake number two. Right. Uh, it feels like I'm uh, in confession here. Mate, yeah. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. Well, should we make this a three-hour episode? That's right. <laughs> it might be a bit. To, uh, there might be a bit to uh, to get into. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, mistake number two is putting up with poor performance for too long. Ooh, this is a, this uh, is, this is so, definitely one. Yeah, this is this is this is huge. Yeah, uh, Phil, I've got some bad news. Oh, damn it! On the podcast, this is where you want to flip the table, run out of the room, crying. Well, I'm, I'm scared you might do the same for me, mate. But anyway, <laughs> um, the the trick is, I guess, I've hoped that things would get better. Yeah, uh, with poor performance. So you see a glimmer of hope. You see a person who's struggling do something good, or actually, normally it's they do something okay. Yeah, uh, and you're like, awesome. So they're getting it, and you give them a little bit more time. Yeah, uh, but normally that's as good as it ever gets, and that's a big thing. And I've I've done that. Uh, I can think of um, one person who uh, sent an email. To, oh, to, to, and, and the email let's, let's just be honest If you're listening to this You've probably received our emails right Yeah You've probably received a bunch of them Yeah Yeah. And every now and then We get people reply to us And, and they say You know what bugger off Tony yeah. Or actually they say Loser. A lot, lot more yeah. colourful language than that It's usually F off you C-bomb yeah. uh, You know Go and jump in the lake and yep. But again more colourful versions of that Yes So it was, so it was the, one of those replies yeah, So, so yeah. someone replied to this uh, Suggesting this person Run through a field of backwards. Yeah. Now it took me about ten minutes to figure out what he was actually trying to say. Well, I remember what happened actually was uh, I was auditing the email responses and I saw this response and obviously uh, Tony has replied saying run backwards through a field of, and I'm like, what? Surely Tony didn't write that. So I walk out into the the main well, office. Well, sometimes I've felt like writing that, uh, and but I, I've I never said, written. And it. I said, who did this? And um. This guy sheepishly puts his hand up and goes, are we not doing that anymore? And I was like, whoa, bro. When, when was that ever a thing? I was like, get out of that email. What do you think you're doing? Needless to say, we didn't deal with that straight away, and that person remained in the business for a long time after that. But that should have been a pretty good sign that things yeah. went right. But I think, you know, more than that, is, you know, as you say, it's about performance as well. And, and like, that was obviously a... You know, probably an instant dismissal moment, really. Um, but, you know, I think the more... You know, the more dangerous one that is the one that creeps up on you where someone just subtly underperforms for a long time and this has definitely happened uh, oh, for us. sure and for um, sure. and the hard part is it's really hard not to just see the best in people um, you know because that's what we do as humans you know we see each other and you know the person as a person you know their family you know you know their background you like them as a person and so you want to see the best in them and so every time they give that glimmer of hope you're talking about, you're like, okay, cool. It's it's coming right. It's coming right. And I think um, you just you really need to know when to cash your chips. Yeah, and this is something that I have struggled with. So I've probably held on to people for too long, or not been clear enough in the performance requirements, you know, that are necessary. Uh, and I've I've figured out a few things here. The, the question is, how long is too long? Yeah, and that's probably what I've learned. And for me, it's been too long. Too long was too long. But yeah. here's a few things that I've learned. One is. If you have to explain to people what they're doing wrong and you have to explain to them in so much detail how to deal with situations, you know, with every little sort of twist and turn or every possibility mm. that comes up, they're probably someone who has to go. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, if they are, you know, plumbing in a hot water system and you have to talk about every possible scenario with them and go through every scenario and they need quite instructions for every scenario ever, then that's probably a person who's just not up to scratch because they don't actually have the the ability or the intellect to actually get the concept. 
And of course, like there's a stage and training thing here, right? Like, I mean, if you've sure. got an apprentice on his first day, yeah, yeah, I mean, different story. Like, oh, like, yeah. like, obviously, if you're listening, guys, like, a little bit of um, context, yeah, uh, context yeah, here. Yeah. You if know? this person has been trained to a reasonable degree, and you feel like you know this should be about enough training. Well, but if you're a certifying plumber gas fitter and you can't calculate the fall of a pipe, I'm like, we have a problem. Well, that's right. <laughs> so so I found if you've got to keep explaining stuff over and over again and give them so much detail to actually do the job, which 95% of other people can actually figure out, then that's a problem. They probably need to go. There's a bunch of things, other things that I've found, which I've missed in the past, uh, for people who probably aren't right. you know, One is they ask for more money when it's not warranted. That often happens. They're like, oh, I need a pay rise. It's like you're not even any good, or you yeah. haven't been here that long. Like they just ask for pay rises that they just think they for deserve no reason, for no reason. Times. They just think yeah. they deserve it. They make mistakes that you discover later. Mm. So you've probably found this, you know, on job sites. Is like you find out stuff later. Even worse, it's obviously been covered up, which means that they knew they they mucked it up. Yep, but uh, they tried to hide it. Well, I don't know what's worse. Is that worse? At least they knew they made a mistake. Sometimes when they haven't made a mistake, they they're so ignorant they don't even get it. That's oh, a problem. They're both a problem. But at least at least one's a sin of commission and one's a sin of omission. And I'm like, the omission ones to me, I'm like... Oh. I don't know. The, the ones of the other ones speak of low intelligence. But anyway... Wait, but is it low intelligence or is it dishonesty? I'm like, look, they're both, both bad. Both problems, yeah. yeah. They don't seem to understand the feedback you give them. So you give them feedback and you've just got to explain things in so much detail. They, they just don't seem to get it. Uh, mm. They don't fit in with the team is a, another real telltale. To me, that's the biggest one, yep. actually. Um, you know, when you got your team coming to you and they're saying stuff like, oh, I'm not sure about that guy. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. Oh, it was weird how we did this. Oh, yeah, I don't really like him. You know, often we think, well, you know, different people, you know, it's not a, not a big deal. Can't read too much into that. I would read a lot into that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because often we can't put our finger on exactly why somebody's not a fit but we know in our gut, and actually it seems like you're acting on nothing and it's a weird feeling, but actually what you're picking up on is a bunch of like subconscious tells from Jeez. their body language, the way they interact, their tone of voice, things you've seen them do. It's And all of those subconscious things that you notice are actually extremely important. So that gut feeling, it matters. It does. It's massive. So they don't gel off it with the team. And then if the team tells you they're no good mm. or the team starts pointing out issues with their performance or their attitude, that is massive. Yeah. Uh, so I have ignored that in the past. I just haven't acted on it. Yeah. And and the thing is, the reason you don't act, and the, I guess the, the thing that I've struggled with, and I'm sure most people do, is it's fear. Yeah. It's fear of a confrontation. It's fear of all the work that it's required to actually deal with it. It's fear of them leaving and you not having team members to do the work that you want to get done. Yeah. And my learning... Uh, is that it's way better to have the pain of uh, not having someone than have to constantly deal with the pain of someone who's no good. Like the the mental uh, overhead, the frustration, the sleepless nights, they just drive you insane. Totally. And I think, again, like that fear is valid. Like it's, it's valid. This is something to worry about in, in a lot of ways. But I think, again, if we look at that example of, say, the team telling you that the person's no good, and you're worried about getting rid of that person because you're like, well, what if I've got no people? But just know that when the team is telling you they're no good, that means that your good team members are getting pissed off and they are about to leave. So who would you rather lose? You know, well, we've said I, it once, we'll say it again. Yeah, I've, Nothing uh, kills a good team, team member yeah. faster than watching you tolerate the bad ones. I was going to so. quote a famous uh, person, Phil Smith. That's well, a great, it's, a great it's, line, buddy. But honestly, it's true, right? The mistakes I made is I, I wasn't a leader. You have to be a leader and leaders deal with hard stuff. 
that's why we should be paid the big bucks. Yeah. And never apologise for what you paid when your business is profitable. Because you earn it because you do these things that other people won't do. That's it. Uh, so it's way better to have no help because that protects the team you know, that, than, than poor help because that just damages the rest of the people. Yeah. And let's be honest, not everyone has the ability to do the role well. Sometimes you make a mistake in hiring. Yeah. That's an- another whole kettle of fish, but sometimes you get it wrong. Yeah. Uh, so the last piece, I think, the mistake that I've made and learned is that um, put your performance management system in place much earlier than later. Yeah. So it's like have the conversation. You know, it's like the, hey, this is, I'm just concerned. Mm. Uh, and give them a, a couple of weeks to address it. And then if it doesn't change, you put your performance management system in place, which is that formal process you have to, you know, work on someone's performance. And the outcome of that is only two things. One, they mm. get better. Or two, they have to leave. Yeah. And either they'll be terminated or most people will leave when they see the writings on the wall. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard. It's really hard. It's but not this, fun. But this is what you signed up to, honestly. Yeah. Like, and it's not fun, and hopefully you don't have to do it often. But if you ha- you ha- you need to have a process for this, and when you have it, you need to use it. Um, otherwise, also you drop your credibility with the rest of the team. Uh, you're not living up to your your job as a leader. You're actually letting everybody down by not using that process. It's massive, and and I actually almost disagree. I think you said you don't hopefully don't need to use it often, but if you've got a reasonable sized team, you might you've got need 10, to use 15, it. 20 need to use people. It I mean, you're pretty much always going to be looking at a performance process for someone. Now, that doesn't mean you're firing all of them or getting rid of them. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't happen. Hopefully, there's just something that hasn't quite clicked yet, and they'll they'll step well, that's up. It. The point of the performance management system is up or out, and the ideal one is up. They get better, right? Um, and I think I think the best thing is just to chuck in here as well is just remember it's in the best interest of the person being performance managed that you are honest with them. Um, imagine if someone just let you carry on being crap forever, and you're letting the team down, and everyone hates you, and no one wants to work with you, and but no one tells you. It's like walking around with your pants down, but no one lets you know. That's right. You know, it's, it's terrible. And so my mistake is not doing this quickly enough. You have to address non-performance as quickly as possible uh, for your own respect of yourself, your team's respect of you, and the performance of the business, and for the good of the person uh, who's struggling. Just yep. like you said, this is huge. So um, definitely something that I've struggled with, yeah, yeah. Uh, but getting better. Yeah, definitely. Getting better every day. Thanks, mate. Yeah. All right, I reckon uh, let's do one more. Eh? Okay. Number three? Number three. Getting through the confession, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What do you got? Confessions of a CEO. Uh, that would be a good podcast. It would be a good podcast. Right. Okay. Again, heaps of material. The, number three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, trying to be across everything. Yeah. Now, we have a, a pretty substantial team. Uh, Phil runs the team and has some department heads. So we have a, a bigger team than some people listening, and maybe other people have, you know, some departments and structures. But this, the lesson I've learned is, you know, if you want to grow a business and you want to build a proper business that can run without you, there is an inverse relationship between control and growth. Mm. So if you want to control everything, you cannot grow to the same extent that you could. Mm. And the reason for that is simple, and the mistake I've made is everything would have to come through me. I'd yeah. have to be across everything. I'd have to be involved in all the decisions. Yeah. And there is only so much you can do. Uh, there's only so much time, but more importantly, there's only so much headspace. There is only so much decision-making capability that any business owner has. Yeah, and if you use too much of it, you just run out of the ability to make decisions. Well, that's my experience anyway. Maybe I'm no. I think this is right on the money. Massive. Like, if you want to have a finger in every pie, how many pies can you have? I don't know. It's not as many as you think. Yeah, but I mean, at the very max, it would be ten, right? So, what if you want twenty pies? That's quite clever. Ten digits. Yeah, ten pies. You love that word. 
digits, yeah. You can't, but my point is, is if you had a finger in every pie, you can't have more than 10 pies. So what happens when you get 20 pies? There's no fingers in them. That's it. So and You just won't do it. Well, if you try to do it, the hard part is that you're also not enabling anyone else to put a finger in that pie because you've said that yours is in it. And so now there's no finger in it and now it goes unmanaged and now it fails. And whose who's responsibility was it? Yours. Well, that's right. Even more so than that is that um, your business just won't grow. You just won't make more pies because you just shell opportunities all the time because you just don't have the, the, the time or the headspace to deal with them. And or you self-sabotage subconsciously yeah. Yeah, because you, yeah. you know that growth hurts and so you start killing it for yourself. This was supposed to be my confessions, not you telling me what I'm I've done wrong the whole up, time. Man, I'm getting racked up, man. I'm getting up. It's getting really touchy now. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. You're 100% right. You do sabotage things. So big learning for me is that you know you have to let go of control for your business to grow. And it take, took me a long time to understand that. It doesn't mean that growth causes your business to be out of control. And I, that's a challenge for a lot of people. You know, whether you've got a, a plumbing, electrical, painting, glazing, tiling, landscaping, whatever business, really common theme is, well, I don't want it to grow too much because it'll just be too hard. And that's because you've seen a mate or someone down the road growing their businesses blowing up. Now, they've grown that business without any controls, mm. which is different to you controlling everything. Yeah, very different. Very different. And so... Having controls in place is absolutely critical, and that's weekly KPIs, key performance indicators around you know how many jobs are being priced, uh, how the margins are tracking on jobs, how many inquiries you're getting, what leads are turning into jobs, your mm. quotes and bids are turning into jobs, what your utilisation is, and then monthly what your P&L is and your balance sheet. You do that stuff, you keep control of things, yeah. but you're not in control of all the details. That's the difference. You know, you're like a, a ship's captain looking at the dashboard or a, a racing driver looking at the at the dials. Mm. You don't have to know what's going on with every piece of the engine. Yeah, uh, and that's where that's the challenge I had. I was I was messing with the engine all the time. Yeah, rather than just looking at the performance. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to get comfortable with not knowing the details. Yeah, and that mm. is really hard. I think the thing is as well as like. Uh, you know, people might be listening now and thinking, "Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not big, or you know, I've only got two guys, or, or something like that." And I'm, I'm not, I'm not at the point where this is so relevant to me. And I, I would, I'd argue that's wrong. The thing is, this shows up so many times through your business. Like the first time you get office help, uh, there's control you need to relinquish. You know, someone else might do the pays, someone else might do your invoicing, someone else might do your scheduling, someone else is going to do basically all the back office, someone else is going to answer the phone, and so there's control that you need to relinquish, but you still have controls. So again, somebody's answering the phone, cool, you can still listen to recordings of that call or make sure they follow a script. Someone's doing the pays, cool, you can not like double check they were done right, but don't click all the buttons, like whatever. My, my point is, is there's controls that you're going to have to be able to check, but you're going to have to relinquish control. And then later on, you'll be like getting up to, you know, five, eight guys. And then you might get an ops manager and then it's like, well, you need to relinquish control to the management of the team and projects. Later on, you might get an estimator and then you've got to relinquish control of the pricing. And then, the, you know, at that point, your team gets bigger and bigger and now you have to have managers in place to run different crews or run different teams. Then you start getting divisions. Then, you know, but the point is, is like there's actually different levels of control that you need to relinquish all the way through, uh, basically the minute you get a team. Right back to you think, oh, well, I don't even have office help yet. I'm like, cool, but if you have one staff member with you in the field, you need to relinquish control if they did a job that you didn't do. You know, so it's, it's enormous. It's, it's there the whole time. You like, think about, I love the estimator. Uh, or you know, QS analogy is uh, you know you get an estimator, uh, and some people do that, and then they they're going through the detail of every price that they've put together. 
Yeah. Now you might check a couple at the start, but you've actually got to check, you know, the result of that. If you check all the details, what's the point of having the person? And you've all that time you freed up from pricing, you're just using to price the work anyway. Which is pointless. Which I is mean, pointless. And honestly, like what usually happens is that you pick apart their pricing and you go, they've way overpriced this, but it's already been accepted. And you're like, they're actually better at it than you are. That's right. There's no <laughs> you emotion. You just get out of it. because so, Yeah. So so that's that's huge is like that, that stepping back uh, of control. And what that does is it allows other people to grow and develop. Yeah. Uh, and and th- it's things like this, like in our business, we've just built a new website. It's expensive. It's tens of thousands of dollars for a new website. It's really swish. I don't even know anything that's in that website. I can't tell you what it looks like. No, Phil and I have had nothing to do with that. We put a new computer system in. uh, And you know what a job management system's like. It's it's a huge backbone of your business. Yeah. I've had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the we that's the level you can get to if you actually allow control to other people. So that that's critical. That's been a massive lesson is actually letting go of the details, not sticking my fingers where they don't belong. Mm. uh, because at the end of the day, if you want a business that gives you time, money, and freedom, I've realized you have to have great people. And great people want responsibility, and yep. they want to be able to make mistakes because they yep. will, and you've got to be comfortable with that. In fact, what I've learned is uh, rather than stress about it when people make mistakes, it's actually good Yeah, because that means they're trying stuff. It means they're actually making a decision. Yeah, uh, And to me, that's that's what you want. You want decisions made so you don't have to make them all. Yeah, Are they all perfect? No. But there's way more decisions being made and way more activity happening than just you could do, which helps your business grow. Yeah, that's massive. I think that's the, the caveat to this, right, is for you to not have to be across everything, it requires getting the right people, you know, the right team, following the right systems, and you need some controls in place that you can check on now and then so that you know that those systems are being followed and that those people are the right people in the right roles. Well, you check on them now and then, you actually check on them with a, a set frequency. Yeah, and And right. so you, you, can, you can see issues as they come up and then you go and do some digging if you need to yeah and again you don't jump in and fix the problem or jump in and go and berate them which this is actually like oh. it's just another quick mistake tony if i've got to chuck one in yeah, there is um is a mistake that that honestly you've made at times um is if you think about it let's say that somebody in the marketing department underperforms and you see that in the controls the hard part is really hard for you not to you know pop your head in the door and say, hey man, uh, when you did this, you should have done that instead and blah, blah, blah. The hard part is that the person having that conversation should be our head of marketing, Damon. And the person telling Damon shouldn't be you either, should be me. You should stop talking about and Nephi so, like this. Well, Nephi, He's just sitting over there. By the way, it was you. Nah, just kidding. Um, but but like seriously, it's like if you notice that, that's fine. You tell me because it's my job to tell Damon and it's Damon's job to tell them. Like if you tell them, you've actually just cut the legs out of me and Damon and it's put a whole lot of stuff on your plate because now you're the one who has to manage that, retrain it, follow it up because you open Pandora's box so you got to deal with it. Mate, like, we weren't going <laughs> to lift the kimono entirely today. But, but you know what I mean? I think the thing is, is like, like everybody can probably relate to this is you do get to a point where there might be you know, levels to to what you find and how it should be dealt with and I think it's important that you know when you have those controls that you remember how to use them because whenever yeah. you see an issue, like remember, your business is probably your baby, and if you see an issue, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to jump in and do it. But uh, you know, your job as a leader is to remember that the controls are there for you to see, but not always for you to act. No, that's other people's job. That's hundred percent. Right. And so that that's a great point. I love that. Yeah. Uh, I'll do better. <laughs> what's what's you're my, a lot you're a lot better now. What's my penance? 
No, no, mate. We'll talk about that after the episode. All righty. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think that's about enough for one day. We could probably do a part two of yep. this at yeah, some point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we could do lots of podcasts <laughs> but, uh, on this one. Tony's looking a bit sore now, guys. I think he, I think he needs a rest. So uh, let's land this plane. All righty. Look, team, if you want to save yourself lots of pain and frustration, I think it's great to learn the lessons uh, from others. The trick is really to be open to learning and, and putting yourself uh, in a situation where you can hear about other people's lessons so you can you know pick those lessons up. It's huge. Thanks heaps for listening, team, and we'll catch you all again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable Trading Podcast. Cash is like oxygen for your business. Without cash, you can't pay your bills and your business dies. Tune into this week's podcast where we discuss the seven deadly cash flow sins that will cause your business to run short on cash and how you can fix them. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trady, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Trady Podcast.